Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, we're on a Friday on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. What a week as we get ready for the Eagles and a hell of a week with the preview and everything we're doing to cover this team here. A lot of good guests, a lot of uh, Philly vibe here, as I wanted to make sure we at least do a good job telling you what's going to happen with this team coming up here because it's a really big spot, a huge spot for the Raiders for bye week. I'll be back on Monday and then off the rest of the week taking care of some family business with my mom and dad, and then we'll be back after that coming off the bye week, which we're excited about here. You know, the lot going on with Wahoo's Fish Taco. They have Cover Lane, Carnell Lane, the Golden Pipes duo on the Eastern patio coming up here. I just love what they're doing. If you haven't been to Wahoo's on Eastern, they're a proud partner of our show. They have that second deck where there's now live music, great food, great drinks, outdoors. And I just love it because you look back on the entire city in the Strip. So go check out the Wahoo's and what they're doing there. My buddy Todd runs the place. Fantastic family atmosphere. Wahoo's Fish Tacos. They have six locations in the Valley. And go check out the one on Eastern if you haven't been there in a while. I like their California beach cuisine. Best burrito I have in town. I am a burrito connoisseur from my early days in San Diego. The carne asada torpedo burrito. Well, whenever I go to Wahoo's Fish Tacos, Fish tacos are outstanding, but I always go with their burritos. I love the food there and the great service. So this week it was all about what the Raiders did the last week to make this game so important. The win at Denver was critical. And in in, in the win at Denver, they played great in all phases of the game, which I thought was really important. They had a complete game, and they were due for that. Because I thought the – looking back at all the stats and what's happened this year, I thought the Pittsburgh game – was their best complete game. It was on the road. They had to play defense. They had to slow down T.J. Watt while he was in the game. They took away the run. Carr made some big throws. Ruggs showed up. It, that was a game that I just felt that the Raiders put a lot of things together, but not close to what we saw here with Denver. In this Denver game again, Carr was magnificent. 18-27. 18 completions, that's it. 66.7%. 341 yards and two touchdowns. Give me that every time. D.C. was incredible. Henry Ruggs III, three receptions, 97 yards, and a TD. He's now the best yards per catch explosive receiver in football going into Week 7, and that says a lot in this league with all the talent that we have. Kenyon Drake, I call him the $6 million man. Lee Westwood, as he comes through in a big way, six touches, 73 yards, two touchdowns. But how about Mad Max Crosby? Three sacks in that game, and his numbers are just alarmingly good. Max has secured a spot if he stays healthy, and I don't don't predict injuries, but I want Max to play in all these games, and I think we'll find him in the Pro Bowl, which which takes place in Vegas. How cool is that? The Pro Bowl's in Vegas this year, and we could have Mad Max representing the silver and black. And then you had the three combined interceptions by Jonathan Avon, Trayvon Merrick, and Faison, who came up big in the game. And that was a shock, and everybody was surprised about that. But this pass rush has got my attention now. 
And we got that right in the preseason, going out to practice, seeing Gus Bradley, interviewing him, and talking about that defensive line rotation that would keep everybody fresh. And not only keep everybody fresh, but allow Max Crosby, the edge rusher, to not be double teamed all the time. Now they're going to start chipping him more. And they'll leave a tight end in. But the push up the middle has been outstanding. Check this out from Max Crosby and the tear he's on. Five sacks this year. 11 quarterback hits, which is first in the league. 20 hurries tied for first. 43 total pressures first. Pro Football Focus gives him a 91.7 pass rush grade. Number one in the league, and I'm a pro football focus guy. Those guys break down every play. Brian Baldinger does a great job also on NFL Network. But the pro football focus guys look at every play, and Max is just popping. And whatever this means, 27.6% pass rush win rate. Say that three times fast. Max is first in the league at that. He is having an incredible season And he shows up for every game with 100%. A great attitude, great energy. When he makes a play, he knows the crowd feeds off it, home or on the road. What more can you get out of Mad Max? You can get a win against the Philadelphia Eagles. Because this is a game where Max is really going to have to shine because Jalen Hurts is going to run away from him. He's going to want to take off when Max turns that corner. And Max has got to keep his motor going with the rest of that D-line, which is something I've been preaching all week. The linebacker's got to tackle well because Hertz is going to run, and he's big. He's bigger than these linebackers, so he's going to put his shoulders down and try to run over them, and he's going to elude the pass rush from time to time. I think they'll get him. I'm looking for about three, three and a half sacks in this game, but they're going to have to bring Jalen Hurts down if they want to win. And Rich Bisaccia, the head coach, who won his first game in front of his family in Denver. It's a big week last week, and I had an opportunity to sit down with the head coach of the Silver and Black yesterday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Here's our conversation. Powered by Cox, proud partner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Coach, let's begin. Congratulations on the win in Denver. And I want to begin with your coaching staff. First on offense, Greg Olson, Derek Carr. Derek had a monster day. Talk about their communication. Well, again, you know how fortunate uh, it is for me in this situation to be with a lot of guys I'm extremely familiar with from not only other places, but being together here uh, going on four years, especially on offense. And uh, I thought Greg did a wonderful job along with Coach Caves and Edgar and Burbs and Johnny Moe and on and on and on, you know, but they've been together a long time. And so they have a certain comfort level with each other. And Derek has a tremendous um, menu to go through in, uh, on offense for us. Uh, that really didn't change. And then for Ole to be able to come in and, and call the game, which no one's seen him do that for a little while, it certainly added to um, the flavor of what happened for us in the game. We were excited to have a fast start like we did. Certainly getting Henry Ruggs going in the beginning was big for us. A lot of big throws downfield. Let's stay with the offensive line and Tom Cable. What did you see on film with the protection to give Derek that extra time to attack downfield? Well, I think Tom did a good job getting the backs involved in the protection and um, doing a little bit maybe – a little bit of a new wrinkle is how we were calling it and how we were sliding the protection. But um, we felt like the guys played really well with their hands. Uh, being in practice in pads on Wednesday, we believe, helped. But um, Tom's always done a good job, not only in pass protection, but certainly what we did with the run game got ourselves going a little bit better there that way. The defense with Gus Bradley, what a game. I mean, everybody's just lined up right, making big plays. Rod Marinelli with Max Crosby. Max was in the backfield all day. That game plan really came together nicely. Yeah, not only that, but certainly with Yannick Davis on the outside and then the games that those guys ran inside, Quentin, what he did 
inside. And we, we got good push, we thought, um, from getting square up, you know, from the game. He kind of looked like he did in practice. So, again, those guys work well together. That defensive staff's got great continuity. Coach Marinelli, we all know what he's done with the defensive line. And the way him and uh, Travis are working together has really uh, been a big help for us. Let's move to the Eagles. And we got Jalen Hurts. He's a dual-threat quarterback. You saw that with Justin Fields in Chicago. A young quarterback who's big and physical and runs downhill when the pocket breaks down. What concerns do you have going up against him? Yeah, certainly an emerging player in our league, and and, uh, he's done a tremendous job. He's one of the leading rushers on our team. He throws a tremendous deep ball at this particular time. And, you know, what you saw from them, we had talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, second half, what he's done in the second half. There's no quit to them. They're a force um, when they start moving the ball down the field, and they've gotten themselves in position to have a chance to win at the end of every game. So um, he'll be hard to handle. Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner on the outside. You have veteran corners. Your corner group's a bit banged up. You bring in Trufant. Let's talk about some of the challenges on the edge there with Smith, who's a great young route runner and poses a lot of threats. Yeah, and again, they're... They're exciting to watch on, from a yeah. fan's perspective on the perimeter. You know, they do a good job of stretching the field. They're playmakers when they get the ball in their hands. So it's been an interesting um, long night situation getting prepared for what they're doing on offense. When you think about a desperate team, they're 2-4, and four, and you know, Coach, they're better than their record. I watched the second half of that Tampa Bay game again. They outscored the world champions. They played with a lot of heart in that game down the stretch. No quitting the Eagles. No, again, I don't see their team any different than any other team that's just um, trying to fight and win and find a way, excuse me, fight and try to find a way to win every game. We're, we're in the same situation, right? We've moved on. Our uh, focus is all on Philadelphia coming here and how, what we're going to do and how we're going to prepare to play them. I'm sure they're doing the same thing. You were great last week talking about the rivalry with Denver and the AFC West. You've been a part of the Eagles, your years with the Cowboys, knowing those Eagle fans. They travel the intensity of that rivalry and that proud fan base going up against the Raider Nation. Yeah, a long time, certainly being in Dallas and growing up a New York Giant fan and, you know, going against the Eagles uh, from since I've been a kid mentally. And then every time I think about the Philadelphia Eagles, I think about Fletcher Cox and the identity of Philadelphia and what they do and the way in which they play and the formidable front four they have and the new young guys that they've been subbing in there. So they're, they're a physical, fast team playing really well in the perimeter with an exciting quarterback. It'll be a hell of a game. Yeah, and the rivalry game here, if you look at the fans, now you come home with the victory. What's that week been like for your staff and your players having a win, knowing they're coming home to play a home game at Allegiant Stadium in front of this rabid fan base? Well, I'd like to think that's behind us. And uh, again, we, uh, we pushed through. We forged through practice yesterday. It was a little bit of a grind. But I feel like we came out of there with a little bit of an understanding of what this next game is going to look like physically and mentally and how we can prepare to play well on Sunday. And there's a bye week after that. You're just focused on this game, all your intensity into this game. But the organization's in a good spot here at 4-2, and two, an opportunity to win at home. And then after that, the second part of the season here. But this is a big test. It certainly is. Again, we're coming home to play a game. We're really focused on what practice looks like. We're just getting done with meetings right now. Be exciting to see how we respond in practice. Good luck Sunday, Coach. Thank you very much. So I appreciate Coach Rich, who is, is fun. He's on a clock. This is not, you know, he sits down in the studio with me. We do that interview. He's up and out. I mean, he gets up right when the interview's ending, says pleasantries, and he's back to work because he is a mass delegator. He is delegating responsibility to these coaches that he feels really good about. And he does feel really good about these coaches, and they respect the hell out of him. We should have caught that when Mike Mayock said that. When Mike Mayock had his most recent press conference and he talked about Rich Passaccia being the greatest leader he's ever been around, which at the time I said to myself, whoa, how does he know that? Well, Mike Mayock's been around a long time around this league as a former player. 
NFL Network and all the times he's been in other buildings, and he thought that much of Rich Passaccia. That says a lot. So things are really cruising along nicely. Good week of practice. A lot of good things happening here, and we'll continue this hour with the conversation that we're having. We'll take a look at the moving lines here in Vegas. A couple of the point spreads I think we need to talk about before we get out of here for the weekend. And tonight, the Bolitnikov crab feed. If you didn't get your tickets already, I don't know if you still can, but there's going to be a big Raider vibe, using that word vibe this week a lot, over at the Paris Hotel on the Strip because the Bolitnikov crab feed, crab fest will be there. Uh, a lot of former Raiders are going to be there, alumni, and a lot of fans. And I think it's a good place to hang out if you're a fan by having a ticket or a table. And if you don't, just get over to that area because there's going to be a lot of Raider action over there. That is Friday night. And then on Saturday, there's a lot of things happening in, in this town. Just keep your ears open. Look on Twitter and find out where all the parties are. And then Sunday, I'd get in there early. Because the last home game, it was a heavy Bears crowd. I have a feeling this is going to be a heavy Eagles crowd. We'll all deal with it. But they're buying tickets. And we'll be doing the pregame show at the Torch. I'm going to stop by the Black Hole tailgate to pay my respects to Black Hole Rob, who passed away a couple weeks ago. Just do a, do a shot, have a beer, and talk to my brothers in the Black Hole and really get back to basics here. I haven't tailgated much here because i got to be inside pretty early as we're live from the torch around 11 a.m. So I'm going to get there between 9 and 9.30 as everybody's pulling into the parking lot, the J-Lot, to get ready for the tailgate there and have some fun. And then I got my brother-in-law and sister-in-law who are in town from Florida, so we're entertaining them all weekend. They're coming to the Bolitnikoff event with us. It's going to be a fun weekend. So I'm looking forward to it. If you're doing anything out on the Strip, be safe and have fun here. I think it's going to be one of those One of those weekends where you see the Philly fans that are walking around. They're going to have their Eagles gear on, their green jerseys. Wish them well. They're coming here to see our city and see our stadium. And a first impression is really important. And I think the first impression of Allegiant Stadium has been incredible for everybody who's come to visit. Everybody's walking around uh, there saying, this is amazing. What a beautiful stadium. They're walking over the Hacienda Bridge. They're having a good time, going back to their hotel or resort, and then getting back to the airport talking about what a great sports town Vegas is with the Golden Knights, UNLV, and especially the Raiders. It's a great time to live in Vegas. Thanks again to Coach Rich Basaccia. You can find that interview on the Silver and Black Show, which will air Saturday, or you can find it on Raiders.com or the Raiders Facebook page where they put up everything pretty quickly here. 702-365-9200. Eagles are in town. I call them the dirty, stinking, green, drunk birds. Put those birds down and get a win on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. JT, back with you on a Friday here on Raider Nation Radio. One of the sharpest guys I ever interview. Jim Trotter, kind enough to join us from NFL Media, NFL Network. He's a Hall of Fame voter, and he knows about as many insiders in the history of the league as anyone I can interview. Jim, thanks a lot for coming on with all the news that's happening swirling around the NFL. I'm going to jump right in how you processed the last almost two weeks from Gruden's resignation to the 650,000 emails. Where do you stand on this today? 
Man, that, that, that's a question that could take up the entire show. Um, <laughs> yes. There's so many layers to it. Um, you know, the initial layer to it, let, let's start with John Gruden. Number one, there was no question he had to go after um, these emails became public. And I'm not even going to get into how they became public because none of us really know at this point. I don't want to speculate. But having mm-hmm. said that, um, when we're talking about an organization – whose patriarch, meaning the late, great Al Davis, um, was a beacon for diversity and inclusion, both on the field and in the front office. Um, you can't have uh, uh, an employee of the, of the organization, particularly the head coach, make those kind of statements and think that that in any way um, is okay in an organization you know, that, that Al Davis built. So I was not surprised that John Gruden was out um, what I was interested in is that if he had not resigned, and we can we can speculate here about whether or not it was a forced rec- resignation or not, but if he had not resigned, it would have been interesting. Mark Davis was in a really awkward position in terms of, on the one hand, uh, dealing with his father's legacy, and on the other hand, dealing with someone who he loves, um, someone who he talked about. He spent multiple opportunities trying to lure out of the broadcast booth to come back and coach the Raiders. So um, in some ways, uh, I'm glad we didn't have to go through that and see that because um, I'm not sure which way Mark Davis would have gone. And I say that only from this standpoint. John Gruden was still allowed to coach even after the first um, email was disclosed. And in some people's minds, that should have been enough to have him on the sideline that week. So... There's the Gruden situation. Um, there is the league situation where I don't for one second think that John Gruden is the only person in the NFL and the only head coach or, or person of authority who has ever spoken that way. And so are we to be naive enough to believe that? No. Um, the other thing that disturbs me about the whole process is that John Gruden was speaking to a club president. That is someone who is in charge of hiring and firing. That's the person one step below the owner. That's the person with a lot of power. And what have we seen in recent years in the NFL as it relates to diversity and inclusion with the hiring of head coaches and general managers? Um, From an objective standpoint, blacks have not been given the same opportunities that others have. And so all of a sudden it creeps into your mind. Is that because there are owners, GMs, club presidents who think like Bruce Allen thinks? Um, It makes you wonder. So that's part of the equation. Um, and lastly here, you know, I think the NFL has something to say, something that it should not be proud of as well, because I think it has created a culture where this is acceptable. John Gruden doesn't make those comments, particularly to a club president, unless he feels comfortable with the culture within the NFL that there will not be consequence. And when you look at the NFL's record on, uh, in terms of its hiring practices, as it relates to on the field and off, it's an issue. The league talks about the importance of diversity and inclusion, but we all know the poor numbers in terms of head coaches and GMs. If we look at the league office, 11 executive vice presidents, only two blacks. If we look at the club presidents, out of the 32 clubs, only one black in the history of this league. And even if we look at our group, NFL Media Group, NFL Network, we don't have one black person who is in a decision-making position among senior management in the newsroom. And we're talking about a newsroom that covers a league that's 70% black. So 
all around, JT, it's a long-winded answer of saying there are a lot of people, I believe, whose fingerprints on this, and there are a lot. there is a lot of work to be done in terms of trying to address this issue. Jim Trotter is our guest. That's why I wanted to talk to you, Jim, because you're in a tough spot. You're NFL media, but you're a great journalist, and you're a storyteller, and you can look at a situation with your experience as good as anybody I can talk to, and you have deep connections to the Raider organization dating back to Al Davis. So, again, I, I know we're not comfortable and we're not going to speculate on other emails there or who leaked it, but I think this whole topic now moves to NFL transparency. That's what it is. I don't know how the league can become more transparent on this topic, but I will tell you that they're going to have to be more transparent on this going forward. And you covered Spygate and Deflategate, and I remember after Spygate, the evidence Jay Glazer had was either burned or you know, destroyed afterwards. Destroyed. And I'm saying, what's going on with these emails? Look, I, we can sit here and, and, and cry out for transparency all we want. The reality is we're not going to get it. Because yeah. if there's one thing that the league does very well, they always talk about protecting the shield. And there is a reason that the NFL did not ask for a written report out of the investigation into the Washington football team. And that's because I believe that the league did not want a record of just how bad that situation was and how far the tentacles of that extend into the league in terms of its culture and, and how it does its business. So that's why I believe we will never see the rest of these emails because they don't want us to know how bad, just how bad it is. And who knows how many people are touched by this. The only person who has seriously paid a price here at this point is John Gruden. And he wasn't even involved with the Washington football team investigation. So if he is, is collateral damage in this, imagine how many other people could be collateral da- damage based on those emails and what was found in it. And look, the other thing here is, it's already come out publicly, the relationship between Bruce Allen and Jeff Pash of the league office, the general mm-hmm. counsel for the NFL. There were things in there that were very disturbing. So, again, I say to you, part of the reason we will never see all of these emails is because, in all likelihood, of the extent of just how far this goes and how high up it goes. Jim Trotter joins us. You know, Jim, coming from you, that really hits home because when you say the word never – And I go back, and I'm not saying this has to happen at all, but I remember when Mark McGuire and Roger Clemens and Sosa were in front of Congress. I remember that, and no one thought it would get to that point. And the league has different antitrust laws, and all sports leagues are run differently than corporations around America. And I'm just sitting here going, yeah, the way this looks today is this is going to go away. This is going to go away, but there are so many solid reporters and so many people that are affected uh, from the Gruden family to Mark Davis, and I think that Roger is going to have to answer a lot of questions for a long period of time on transparency in this league, going back to Colin Kaepernick and what people thought about Colin back in the day on emails and all of this. If This is just going to go away over six to eight months because reporters and journalists just say that's the way the league operates. That's a concern to me. Oh, I don't, I don't blame you on that. But it's not so much that that reporters are saying that's the way the league operates. It's that reporters don't have any other means right. of mm-hmm. getting access to these, these emails. So believe me, I as a reporter would love to see them, would love to be able to get my hands on them. But what the league has shown in the past, as you brought up, for instance, with Spygate, that I've mentioned before, they destroyed the evidence because why? Because it was likely so damning that they didn't anyone, want anyone to see just how damning it was and how far it goes. 
And so I believe that these emails, it's the same thing. Why wouldn't they ask for a written report when you have allegations, more than 40 allegations of sexual harassment and misconduct by a team? Why wouldn't you, you want a written report on that so that we could all see? It, the league is very selective in terms of what it puts out when it does these investigations. And I've always clamored for transparency. But as you know, JT, we don't get it. And we don't have any means to get it unless someone like Congress or some group like um, Congress is going to bring the NFL to the halls of Congress and demand certain things. Jim Trotter, that's why I wanted to have you on. Just a couple of football items. What did we learn from the Chargers' loss and what happened to the Ravens 34-6? to I mean, they were flying high. The media, everyone behind what they were doing there. Then they go into Baltimore and get hammered that badly. I was surprised. that the, I know it's a 10 a.m. start and they traveled cross-country, but Herbert didn't throw for 200 yards in that game, only one touchdown. It didn't surprise me as much as some others because if you go back and look at the Chargers' history, traditionally they have had problems with physical running teams, or teams that, 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 that play um, with great physicality. They struggle with at times. And they were down some linebackers and that sort of thing. So defensively, I was not surprised that Baltimore was able to do some of the things that it was able to do offensively. I was surprised that Herbert struggled as much as he did in that game. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a momentum thing, you know, at times where all of a sudden it's just not going. You can't get it going. If they can't run the ball effectively and set up that play-action pass and Baltimore knows what's coming, um, it's very effective. The other thing I think we need to give credit to is the job that Wink Martindale has done with that defensive unit. It struggled um, early in the season. When I say early, I know we're still early in the season. But those first few games, the first quarter of the season, that defensive unit was not playing well. Well, Wink got them right for that game. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's not to say that the Chargers won't you know, learn from it. But for now, I think that was a lesson that, that, that they got in terms of it's not going to be as easy as some might have made it seem. Jim, as we wrap this up, what does what your reporting or your sources tell you on Deshaun Watson? John McClain talked about that deal could happen here pretty quickly. Everybody thinks Miami is the fit. How does that affect Tua mentally? Stephen Ross, the owner, trying to possibly pull a deal like this together in the backlash potentially from the fan base. I always said if Deshaun clears his name, which rightfully he can sooner than later, He's going to be able to play wherever he wants, but it's still a very delicate situation. How do you see it? It's an extremely delicate situation. If you're a team trading for Deshaun Watson at this point, you're going to want some protections in terms of um, if his name is not cleared, if there are legal issues that he faces and, and ends up missing time. All those sorts of things have to be dealt with, in my opinion, in a trade. It's not as simple as just pulling off a trade. Um, as a GM, you would look awfully foolish making that trade and with no protections at all, and then Deshaun Watson is not available to you for however long, depending on how long this goes. So, you know, JT, I have not speculated on on when this is going to happen or how. All we've known for sure is that Miami has had a strong interest in Deshaun from the very beginning. And initially the Texans were not listening to anyone about trades. They weren't even picking up the phone. But then as we got towards training camp, they started to listen to clubs, and Miami has been one of those clubs that has been interested all along. I'm not one of those people who's going to say to you it could happen this week. John McClain is clearly tied in with the Texans, so I would, if he says it, I would tend to believe it. Um, but until it happens, 
I just don't know. Um, as far as Tua, I think Tua is, is a classic example of a quarterback who was put into a bad situation, and now people say either he's a bust or he's not as good as we thought he would be, when really it's not necessarily all his fault. He's had a new offensive coordinator every year he's been there. They have a lack of talent up front in terms of, of, of um, the offensive line. They've not established a running game. So all of these various things come into play when you're talking about a young quarterback and trying to develop him. The other thing is you put him in as a starter and then you start pulling him in the fourth quarter. So what does that do? I just think they have completely mismanaged um, Tua to this point, and I think that, um, unfortunately, Tua is going to pay the price for it because this was a terrible situation for him to be injected into in terms of how they've handled him. Thank you, Jim. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always get a great amount of information. I always appreciate our conversations t- together. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, JT. You got it. Jim Trotter, great to talk to him, man. The information he just had, as we talked about NFL media transparency, the NFL, what could happen here. I mean, that's Jim Trotter, everybody, from NFL Network and NFL Media. I mean, that's a big deal what he had to say about these emails and the fact that the league, if the league doesn't want to pursue this or the league wants to move on, they will move on from that. I keep going back to the evidence that Spygate was destroyed. The evidence of Spygate was destroyed. That's not fair. These emails can't be destroyed, and the Spygate information can't be destroyed. There's other information that needs to be available. And there was no, there was a reason why I brought up Congress. The reason I brought that up is I tie it in to the congressional hearings on steroids and baseball and the imbalance of baseball. And you remember that at the Rayburn building on Capitol Hill and Mark McGuire, how uncomfortable he was. And Roger Clemens, who Roger Clemens cleared his name in federal court. There was no evidence with Roger Clemens. He was brought up with that. I thought, I'm a Yankee fan, and most others still believe that he took performance-enhancing drugs. Bonds took performance-enhancing drugs. Sosa, who all of a sudden didn't want to speak the language here. He wanted to speak his native language, which my podcast partner, Looney, says is fair and just. When you're in an uncomfortable situation, you speak your language, your first language. Rafael Palmero pointing to congressmen and women, I did not do steroids. How'd that work out? So when you look at this, I am not going to be the guy leading the charge on this. I don't want to. Working for the Raiders and seeing what's happening here, the reporters like Jim Trotter, Mike Florio, the Washington Post, which could be you know owned by owned by a guy who wants to own the Washington football team, Jeff Bezos, and you go around and we know that there are other people. We're pretty much all positive that there are individuals in those emails that are going to be implicated. We just found out. He mentioned Jeff Pash from the NFL offices, John Gruden. What happens if there's another head coach out there? Just one. And two head coaches are taken out out of the 32 for emails that they sent seven, eight, nine years ago. The NFL doesn't want to deal with this anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They want it to move on. And normally it doesn't work like that in society. We have courts. We have attorneys. We're able to sit down and adjudicate it. People can sit in front of a judge and talk about it. Not the NFL. The NFL is the highest power in all of sports. And they are feeling the heat right now 
for the way that they treated the Raider organization, in my opinion, and many people's organization, and how they put him in a tough spot. John Gruden ultimately put everybody in a tough spot because of what he said in those emails. And he is paying the price. The Raiders are paying the price as an organization because they had to be fluid and make a coaching change early in the season, which is really difficult to do. The Raiders won their first game. Hopefully they beat the Eagles coming up here, but that's a complicated situation. And around the league, everybody is wondering, every executive on every team that was in this league seven to ten years ago and had an email that went to the Washington football team is scared to death. Because they know, and especially we're talking about individuals inside the New York executive offices of the NFL. They're worried about it. You know, for those who said it was a hit job on the Raiders, what they did, I agree. But I'm going to wait. I'm going to stay in my lane and wait to see the reporting. Either from inside the Raider organization and what they decide to do, if anything, soon or years from now. We'll be able to cover it on this show and talk to everybody involved with it exclusively. Or if the NFL gets pressured from outside the Raider organization around the league when it comes to the young women, the cheerleaders, who signed NDAs against the owner of the Washington football team and were paid to go away, but all of their comments are on the record, a record that looks like it's not an oral record, it's a written record, and that's going to be destroyed. Incredible what we've been through here the last couple of weeks. And it's a really big story. I I didn't go back and see it yet, but if you watch the movie All the President's Men about Woodward and Bernstein, played by Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman, if you go back and watch that movie and see the depth of that movie in Watergate and what was said and who said things on and off the record, there's a lot of parallels to it. really is. And we're going through a time now around this league where the league is not transparent and it is not fair. And it's not fair to a number of people. And a lot of other people did not get exposed because the NFL wants this to go away. Incredible conversation with Jim Trotter. I just love just sitting back and letting a gentleman like that speak because there's a guy, his integrity is at the utmost heights. And he told me he's got great access to the Raiders. I mean, I'd say as good as anybody I know. Steve Weish, Jim Trotter, really good reporters and journalists who don't have an agenda with the Raiders. I, I talk to Jim all the time when it comes to Cliff Branch and some of the issues surrounding Hall of Famers, Tom Flores. We've had some really good conversations on radio and TV over the years, and I really appreciate his time here on Friday as we continue on. Remember, PT's has everything lined up for you. Stop by any PT's tavern to join the best rewards program in town. New True Reward members receive free slot play when they earn 20 basis points. And happy hour, enjoy the best happy hour in town. With 50% off drinks, 5 to 7 p.m. And 12 to 2 a.m. daily with over 60 locations. There's always a tavern near you. Visit ptstaverns.com to find yours today. 702-365-9200. JT heading into the Eagles weekend here. As Eagle fans are landing in droves in Vegas, welcome them. They're here in town to spend money and go to a football game at the Jewel of the Desert, the Death Star, Allegiant Stadium, which is going to be rocking on Sunday, thanks to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.
JT, welcome back on a Friday into the Bolitnikov crab feed coming up later tonight at Paris. I've been promoting that. That's where I'll be tonight with a lot of members of the Raider Nation. So hopefully we'll see you there. And thanks to all of our partners this week, BillsHappen.com. When you need extra cash, JT, I can't, I can't go to my wife and lend you money, man. But I got the spot, my buddies, BillsHappen.com. If your credit cards are maxed out, if you have bad credit, we got the hookup for you. You can get up to $5,000 cash as early as tomorrow. Go to BillsHappen.com. That's BillsHappen.com. So this week to me has been about expectations. That's it. What happened with the former coach, John Gruden, his resignation, what we all dealt with with the media on this show, national radio shows and all of that. Uh, the Raiders went into Denver a week ago Sunday and kicked ass. And once they won that game, it was really the best game they played this season. We talked about it. We took your calls all week. That game showed a lot of character, and it showed how good the team is. We know how good Ruggs is. You've heard all the crap that Ruggs got when he was hurt, when he wasn't playing, when he was trying to get on the field. He had COVID last year. People saying, did the Raiders blow that pick? Now you're not hearing anybody say that. Mad Max Crosby, who wasn't a first-round pick. Look at him now with sacks, five sacks. He's the number one rated defensive edge rusher by Pro Football Focus. He's living up to expectations. Trayvon Merrick playing free safety. He's been spectacular. And John Abram is playing under control, which I like about that. And then D.C., Derek Carr had an incredible game in Denver. So the expectation going into that game was, hey, will the Raiders show up? If the Raiders don't lose, uh, that'll be great. But if they... But if they play a good game and lose by a little, that's a moral victory. I don't believe in moral victories. You don't get points for second. This isn't NASCAR where you get points for coming in sixth. In the NFL, you have to win games. So the Raiders won that game in Denver. Now that brings us to the expectations again as Philadelphia is in town, and they're in town. These Eagle fans landed last night. They landed here today, and you're going to see them around town this weekend. And as the stats have come out, and I've been prepping all week for this game, and Remarkable job by all of our guests and everybody that we've had on this week to talk about this game. We're starting to see some of the stats show up that are no longer trends. We're starting to see what the Raiders are all about and what they can do. As they take a look at passing, the Raiders are averaging 305 yards a game. That's a great number. So now we can say that the Raiders are the type of team that blindfolded can put up over 300 yards passing every week. I compare their numbers to the Eagles defensively. They are very similar. These are two teams that are physical and they play hard. But the Raiders have an advantage right now because they're winning and the Eagles are not. Let's take a look at the team rankings that I get every week. Total offense, the Raiders are ranked 11th overall. 385 yards a game. The Eagles 19th at 346. That isn't bad. The Raiders rush offense is 30th, which is poor. They're, they're averaging less than 80 yards a game rushing. That's got to be fixed. And the Eagles are 15th at 113. But let me remind everybody that most of that is coming from the quarterback position. It's coming from the quarterback position in Jalen Hurts. So remember, if you look at the Eagles rushing, just think of the quarterback. That's the guy who's got to stop. They'll be stopped. Raiders are third in passing, as I said, at 305. And the Eagles are 23rd at 232. Then a couple other things. Raiders points per game, 13th. Eagles, 
are at uh, 20th. The Eagles are averaging 23 points a game. The Raiders, 24.5. So they're scoring pretty much the same amount of points. And how about this one? Let's move to defense. Raiders, 14th overall. Can we get a round of applause? Can we get some type of explosion of a hell yeah? The Raiders are ranked 14th overall in total defense. Way to go, Gus. The Eagles are ranked 11th. Better defense. Raiders rush defense, 25th. They're giving up 130 yards a game. Eagles, 28th. They're giving up 135. Thank God for this glorious stat. The Raiders pass defense, ranked 10th. Only giving up 222. The Eagles, better than the Raiders. Ranked 5th overall in the league at 211 yards a game. Points per game. Defense. Raiders giving up 24 a game. That's tied for 16th. The Eagles are giving up 25.3. That's 23rd. And turnovers. The Raiders are plus 3 on the year. That's ranked 7th. The Eagles are plus 1. That's ranked 14th. Penalty yards. I like the Raiders on the road. They seem to get penalties at Allegiant Stadium. Raiders are ranked 29th in the NFL with 400 penalty yards, and the Eagles right behind them at 26th. So both of these teams play a little bit sloppy, a little bit sloppy. I look back the last time these teams played was back in Philadelphia, December 25th, Christmas 2017. Eagles beat the Raiders 19-10 to at Lincoln Financial in that game. So when you look at these two teams and going back in the series here, these teams have a great history. The game that matters the most was what happened in Super Bowl 15 when the Raiders beat them in New Orleans, and that was one of the greatest wins in Raider history still talked about today. So I love this game because I despise the Eagles, and I want them to beat the Eagles at all costs. I'm very guarded this week because of what happened in the Chicago game. Uh, talking to Rich Passaccia yesterday, uh, just to see how calm and cool he is. Man, this guy's smooth. He's figuring out all this media as the head coach. But he comes in organized with notes, and he's ready to talk, and he'll go any direction you want. I love exactly what he's doing, trying to get this team calm and cool and ready to play. So the game is Sunday, Allegiant Stadium. It's a 105 kickoff. And the point spread concerns me a bit. We don't do a lot of that on this show. But the moving line that we've seen, and I think it could move. Here over the weekend when I talk to you, with the Raiders favored by three, I think that's going to go up to three and a half or maybe four with some Raider money coming in, unless some Eagle fan is coming in with a boatload of cash, (laughs) some giant uh, briefcase full of cash, and he's ready to throw some cash down to bet on the Eagles. I don't see that happening. And then we take a look at the Raiders' schedule coming up. So far this year, the Raiders beat the Ravens. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Miami to go 3-0. and Losses at the Chargers and at home to the Bears before they beat the Broncos. So we get the Eagles on Sunday. By the way, that game will be on Fox. There aren't many games on Fox. Most of them are on CBS. Kenny Albert will be on the call with Jonathan Vilma. Lindsey Zarniak will be the sideline field reporter for that game. Then the Raiders go into the bye week. They play at the Giants Sunday, November 7th. Then Kansas City at home. That's Sunday the 14th. That's Sunday night football on NBC. Then the Bengals on that following week, Sunday, 105 game. And then we get to the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, November 25th. 
rest of the schedule after that, depending on what the Colts look like, the Broncos look like, and if Cleveland still has these injuries that we've been talking about, this is the time for the Raiders to go hunt and eat. This is the time right now. you got the Eagles, the Giants, Cincinnati coming up. You mix in Kansas City and Dallas, who has a better roster. Kansas City and Dallas have a better roster than the Raiders, but the Raiders can win those games. But you know the games I'm talking about that they have to win, and those games are imperative when you have them on the schedule. And for the last time, I'm going to tell you this again. The Chicago loss was a terrible loss. The building wasn't excited. There were too many Bears fans. It wasn't loud enough. Too many people at the club. Too many people getting a cocktail. Too many people not in their seat. Let's learn from that and get everybody fired up. I want to thank all of our partners here, including a new one, Any Tires Plus. Uh, they're on 350 North Boulder Highway. Complimentary road hazard protection for 24 months with the purchase of any new complete tire set. If you're going to get tires, really appreciate you go shopping at Any Tires Plus. It's my buddy Frank from the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, and they got great deals, and they count on us to bring our customers to them, and we're going to do a do jo- uh, great job for them. Uh, Monday Night Doghouse Saloon, best place to watch Monday Night Football is Doghouse inside Resorts World, Las Vegas. Newest property on the Strip, and I'm probably going to go there at some point. I got family in town this weekend. Anybody who visits Las Vegas has to go to Resorts World. You have to be able to tell people that you've been there because it's the jewel of Las Vegas. It's the most expensive property, the biggest property. Please go check it out. Stop by Doghouse and see what we're doing on Monday Night Football. Also, our friends at Five Iron Golf. I'm taking my brother-in-law, Greg, there on Saturday morning uh, to just try out some new golf clubs and hit some balls. Expert club fitters will help you find the right clubs for your swing and your budget. Tell them JT sent you there. $400 in services for free. If you get fitted there, thanks to our friends at Grimaldi's as we gave away a Grimaldi's gift card. Modelo, proud sponsor of our show and the Raiders. Charles Woodson, who I was texting with today. The icon, built his legend on the gridiron. Now he has Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Please go to WoodsonWhiskey.com to find a story near you. Uh, My friends at Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Over the weekend, I'll have a Remy Martin sidecar in my hand at the Blitnikoff Crab Feed coming up later on tonight. Uh, Get there to the M Resort before kickoff and find me at the Remy Martin Bar. And you know I always tell you about the meat hookup I have for you. Meetupvegas.com. The code word is JT the Brick. It's JT Brick, actually, is the code word. My outside refrigerator in my garage is packed with meat because I only get my meat. I'll never buy meat in the grocery store again. Meetupvegas.com. Code word. JT Brick. How about our buddies at Wahoo's Fish Taco, Salmon Ash, PT's Tavern 64, located here in the Valley. We're doing pretty good on this radio show with a lot of good friends who support me and support what you're doing by listening and calling into this show. So that's where we are. Uh, get on in here, check out what we're doing, and I hope to see you at the Bolitnikoff Crab Feed. If not, come see me at the Torch on Sunday with Eric Allen. You know, Eric was a hell of an eagle. He's got a lot of family coming to this game who were Eagle fans. So I'm going to give Eric there a little bit of a nudge on Sunday. But he's all about the Raiders. He'll be dressed in Raider gear. And he'll do a great job. I'm so proud to work with Eric Allen. What a career he had. And he is going to be in rare form because he's got a lot of ticket requests and a lot of family coming into this game. So it'll be a lot of fun to work with him on Sunday. Appreciate everybody listening. 
We always appreciate you listening to Raider Nation Radio, where they now have the logo up in front and lights at Allegiant Stadium. I want to thank my wife for sending me a picture as she was over at the stadium the other day and saw that there. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And you can always listen on the Raiders team mobile app at Raiders.com. <laughs>